Hello everyone, welcome back to Legends of Surgery. I'm your host, Tyler Rouse. Today's topic was chosen by Twitter poll, which was a lot of fun, so I'll probably do that again in the future. We're going to cover Dr. Christian Albert Theodore Billroth, one of the leading surgeons of the late 19th century, sometimes called the father of abdominal surgery, creator of the modern concept of surgical training, and an innovator of surgical techniques. But he was also an accomplished musician and lifelong friend of famous composer Johannes Brahms. We'll find out about all this and more in this episode of... Legends of Surgery. Now before we get started on the life and works of Bill Roth, I wanted to mention something. As regular listeners know, I like to provide you with quotes so that you can hear some of the thoughts of our subjects in their own words. Now Bill Roth is especially quotable, so much so that rather than fill up the podcast with them, I'll tweet out a new quote each day after the podcast is released until I run out of them. Okay, so let's get to Bill Roth. He was born on April 26, 1829 at Bergen on the island of Rügen in the Baltic Sea part of the Kingdom of Prussia. Side note, Prussia was a kingdom from 1701 to 1918, which included parts of modern-day Germany, Poland, Russia, Lithuania, Denmark, Belgium, and the Czech Republic. It's probably best known for its military prowess, and one of its leaders, Frederick the Great. Anyway, Bill Roth's family moved to his grandparents' place in Griefswald on the mainland, following the death of his father, either from dysentery or tuberculosis, sources vary, when Theodore was just five years old. He quickly became known as a gifted organist and violinist, demonstrating a passion for music, but not for school, as Bill Roth was an average student at best. Music was a big deal in his family. Interestingly, the grandparents that he moved in with were both opera singers. However, his mother and a family friend, Dr. Wilhelm Baum, a professor of surgery, convinced him to go to medical school. Bill Roth started medical school in Griefswald at age 19, and then followed his mentor, Dr. Baum, to the University of Göttingen. He eventually transferred to the University of Berlin, medical school for his last year, and received a doctorate in September of 1852 after studying the origin and insertion of the nerves of the torpedo fish, and that winter he passed state medical examinations. Now following this, Bill Roth bounced around a little bit, getting training in a number of fields including ophthalmology, dermatology, pathology, and internal medicine. He tried to establish a general practice in Berlin but was unsuccessful, and so after a few months Bill Roth was appointed assistant to Bernhard von Langenbeck in the surgical clinic at the Berlin University, where he worked from 1853 to 1860. Now, I imagine those of you that have worked in an OR had their ears prick up when I mentioned the name of Langenbeck, as a commonly used surgical instrument is named after him. Now, rather than waiting to do a podcast in my Better Noah Surgical Instruments series, let's cover him now. Bernard Rudolf Conrad von Langenbeck, 1810 to 1887, was an already established and famous German surgeon when Bill Roth joined his clinic. In 1847, he was appointed staff surgeon in the army, later being promoted up to lieutenant general and given the permanent post of surgeon general to the army. Langenbeck served four tours of active military duty and perfected a surgical technique that reduced the number of amputations required for traumatic limb injuries. He also became an authority on gunshot wound treatment. And Langenbeck also had great respect for the neutrality of the wounded, eventually helping to found the German Red Cross and serving as president of the Geneva International Convention which was the international treaty that covered the treatment of the sick and wounded in the battlefield. Anyways, in 1848, Langenbeck was appointed staff surgeon at the University of Berlin, where he would stay for 34 years. In 1860, he founded the medical journal Archives of Surgery, which is the oldest scientific surgical journal in the world still in print. Now there's a fun fact to drop in the OR or to your friends and colleagues. 
Now, Langenbach was known as a great teacher and mentored not only Bill Roth, but also Theodore Coker, see Podcast 28 on Nobel Prize winning surgeons, Trendelenburg, and many others. He developed a training system where new medical graduates would live at the hospital and gradually assume more and more responsibility in the care of surgical patients. This house staff model was copied by Dr. Osler and Halstead at the Johns Hopkins University. See Podcast 35 on Halstead. Of course, Langbeck's name is best known for the simple handheld retractor that consists of a flat blade bent down at a right angle to the handle. But he also invented a number of other instruments and is credited with coming up with 21 different operations. Okay, back to Bill Roth. While working with Langenbeck, he published a number of medical articles and met and married his wife, Christelle Michaelis, daughter of the court physician Heinrich Sabatier Michaelis. In 1860, Bill Roth became professor of surgery at the University of Zurich. Now, there are a few important events in his life during his seven years there, both professionally and personally. He published his classic textbook, which I won't attempt to pronounce in German, but translates to General Surgical Pathology and Therapy in 50 Lectures. In 1869, Bill Roth also published Surgical Clinics of Zurich, 1860-1867, a statistical account of his experience in Zurich. Now, this was groundbreaking in that he was introducing the idea of audits, reporting complications and mortality rates, as well as introducing the concept of the five-year follow-up, which is the foundation for clinical research today. It was during this period in Zurich that he met the famous composer Johannes Brahms in 1865 when he performed his Serenade in D Major which was so well received that Bill Roth organized a private concert so that his friends could hear him again. The two would become lifelong friends, dining and traveling together. Bill Roth would critique his manuscripts and Brahms would often rehearse in Bill Roth's mansion. In fact, two of Brahms' string quartets were dedicated to Bill Roth, the Opus 51 string quartets in C minor and A minor, written in 1873. Bill Roth also got back into playing music himself, taking up the viola, served as guest conductor at the Zurich Symphony Orchestra, and even became a music reporter for a newspaper. The next phase of his life started in 1867, when Bill Roth was appointed chair of surgery at the University of Vienna and head of the second surgical clinic at the General Hospital in Vienna. It was during this tenure that he made some of his most famous firsts. And many of these were done with his assistant Vincent Cerny, an accomplished surgeon in his own right. For example, in 1887, Cerny performed the first open partial nephrectomy for renal carcinoma, meaning to remove part of the kidney for tumor, something we still do today, but done laparoscopically. Bill Roth and Cerny performed the first successful esophagectomy in 1877, which is the surgical removal of the esophagus. Bill Roth also did the first successful total laryngectomy for cancer in 1873, which is to remove the larynx, basically the throat and voice box. He even used a prosthesis, which his assistants developed with the help of musical instrument makers in Vienna. It was a small voice whistle that fitted into the tracheostomy tube, which connects the windpipe directly to a hole in the neck, and used a metal tongue that was similar to reed pipes on an organ to produce sound. But the big one, which he is most famous for, came in January 29, 1881. A 43-year-old frail woman named Teresa Heller presented to his surgical clinic with a three-month history of vomiting and weight loss. She was found to have a tumor in the lower part of her stomach, and Bill Roth performed the first successful partial gastrectomy, or partial removal of the stomach. Now indulge me for a minute as I want to describe the operation. So the patient was put to sleep by chloroform and a transverse abdominal incision was made. Bill Roth resected the distal stomach and pylorus and closed the greater curvature of the stomach with 21 silk sutures. The lesser curvature was sutured to the duodenum using 33 silk sutures as a one-layer anastomosis. This became known as the classic Bill Roth 1 operation. It lasted one and a half hours and the patient recovered completely from the operation. 
Now, unfortunately, she died within four months from metastases, meaning spread of the tumor, and the original gastrectomy and autopsy specimen lies in the Josephina Museum in Vienna. But history had been made, and Bill Roth knew it, and he knew the importance of publishing your work. His report on the operation came out on February 5, 1881, just seven days after the operation. Four years later, Bill Roth was confronted with a large obstructing tumor of the distal stomach. Instead of directly reconnecting the stomach and the duodenum, he attached the stomach to the jejunum, which is part of the small bowel past the duodenum. I'll post some pictures on Twitter to show these two surgeries, but this one became known as the Bill Roth II operation. Now, one area where Bill Roth was not on the cutting edge, so to speak, was with listerism. If you remember from podcast three on hand washing, Dr. Semmelweis made the connection between maternal deaths and contamination on the hands. This was actually done at the very same hospital that Bill Roth worked in, the Vienna General Hospital, 20 years before he worked there. But Bill Roth did not use that technique for 10 years. He also did not accept the work of Lister, which I described in podcast four. He thought the carbolic dressings and spray were harsh and had no scientific basis. Amazingly, Bill Roth himself even published a report in 1874 on wound infections, describing the bacteria present but not grasping the connection between the two. He also reported that the penicillium fungus inhibited the growth of bacteria in urine cultures, missing the chance to discover penicillin, which Alexander Fleming would do 50 years later, earning a Nobel Prize to boot. Now, fortunately, further work done by Koch, a famous bacteriologist, and Louis Pasteur convinced Bill Roth of the principles of antisepsis, and he implemented these into his practice. During his tenure in Vienna, Bill Roth also brought in radical ideas on surgical education, certainly born from his experiences with Langenbach. He thought that his creation of a surgical school was actually his greatest accomplishment. Bill Roth's ideas about graduated responsibility in learning surgeries on cadavers and animal models before on people would not seem out of place today. He also had a focus on studying medical literature and using evidence in surgical practice. Bill Roth encouraged his trainees to publish their experiments, helping them get academic appointments and continuing lifelong friendships with them, maintaining a mentoring role well beyond their training days. Bill Roth was truly a giant of 19th century surgery, and his legacy of thoughtful experimentation, openness in reporting on results, and the creation of a model surgical training program echo through time to us today. Bill Roth died at the age of 65 on February 6, 1894, after a few years of poor health. Now, despite this, he was working on a book called Who is Musical?, which explored the relationship of music to human physiologic and psychologic nature. It was completed and published after his death by a close friend, Edward Hanslick. Bill Roth was buried on the outskirts of Vienna, and a memorial to him was unveiled in the Arcade Square at the University of Vienna on November 7, 1897. Well, that wraps up another episode of Legends of Surgery. I hope you enjoyed it. Next up, I thought we'd return to the Better Know a Procedure series. And since we've covered the Bill Roth gastric procedures, it naturally follows that we should cover the Rue on Y. Now, did you know that it's actually named after a surgeon, Caesar Rue? More on that in the next episode. In the meantime, please rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a comment there or follow me on Twitter at Surgery Legends. Like us on Facebook at Legends of Surgery or send an email to legendsofsurgery at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you about your thoughts on the podcast or ideas for future episodes. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.